It has never been easier to start a new business that reaches millions of customers. And now people are creating amazing startups outside of Silicon Valley. But starting a company doesn't equal success. In this podcast, we dive into how founders across the southeastern United States are succeeding, why they fail, and everything in between. Welcome to Startup Pivot Scale. What do you all wish you knew at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, so many things. Yeah, so, so many things. <laughs> I guess you're not going to be rich. <laughs> Let's get that off the table right now. Not the next well, day, at least. <laughs> yeah, it may take a while. I mean, uh, I think we, we hope you might get rich from what you're doing all the time. In. <laughs> yeah, we hope. Yeah. yeah. But like to go into thinking you're going to be the next uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. Bill Gates. Yeah, I think that's a good start. I, I think there's so much of glorifying these, you know, unicorns and one-off things, and uh, it's a uh, it's a very tough, tough reality when you realize that it, that's not really how all of this stuff works. It takes a lot longer yeah. for it to really come together. It's not like the show Silicon Valley, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that movie oh, man, that was the most ridiculous. Thing. <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh. But I feel like a lot of people think that's what entrepreneurship is like. Like they watch that show and they see these entrepreneurs and stuff and they think, you know, that's life. It's fun. And that you have, you know, you meet all these crazy people, you get all this money and I don't know. It's it's not like that. And it all happens in two and a half hours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. The length of an episode or whatever. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, yeah, I guess I wasn't prepared for really all the the ups and the downs. I think a couple of things I wish I knew is that you, you don't have to raise a lot of money or like money isn't what's going to always be stopping you from making progress. Like it's not like I have to raise money in order to meet this or that milestone. I think that's something important. And then I also wish I knew how big of a factor understanding people plays into entrepreneurship and business in general. I guess I was not really prepared for that when I ended up on this journey. It was, it was a pretty big learning experience for me, just how, how much like, I guess, psychology plays into, you know, running a successful business. I don't know. What do you guys think? If you build it, they will come at us. Uh, you ran into where, you are the the face of your company dealing with people. You're the one going out, selling it the idea, be it to organizations, investors, potential customers, employees. And that's something I think a lot of people have to learn is as the founder of your company, you have to be the chief salesperson, chief marketer, chief evangelist of your company all the time. So it's not like you build it, sit back, and then people start using your product or service. You have to actually go out and knock on doors, talk to people, yeah. send emails and all of that. Yeah, that's very true. I, I I never understood how much of this is sales, even though most of us try to think we, we don't like, you know, calling ourselves sales guys and really that whole mentality of what is a salesperson is just not really correct. I, when I very first started my first company, I kind of looked at my, I'm a college kid and I'm, started with a college professor and 
I looked at him for every answer. And I think I just assumed that he would kind of know what to do. And there was a moment near, you know, a couple of years into that company. And I realized there's nothing stopping me from reaching out and setting up sales meetings and actually speaking at him and doing it. And it wasn't about replacing him or that it was just the reality that we both didn't really know what we were doing and that was okay. And so we both could step up and actually make a difference. And when we did that, we started getting more sales leads because he would do things and I would do things and it was just twice the capacity, but no one talks about, Oh, you're going to start a company. You're gonna be a great salesperson, but you better figure that out sooner than later. Cause that really, to me is what will make right. or break your business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, the people that you go into business with understand that you're going to be you pretty much end up married to your business partners or your investors and stuff. And, and being able to really understand who those people are, you know, taking the time to figure out what's the best way that these people work, what's the best way that they learn, you know, if they make a mistake or if they get upset or something, how do you best deal with that? And also within yourself, you know, because every every reaction or every yeah every reaction you have is going to cause them to react a certain way right and i think being able to control that you know you want to be able to express yourself but you have to be careful how you express yourself sometimes i feel oh yeah for sure yeah 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 and i think that kind of ties in with sales again too but it also just everything you do like Edwin was saying, with the, you're the face of that business, but at the same time, you're going to make all these mistakes. And I mean, I remember some of the mistakes I made early on, they were teachable lessons. We had a, uh, like a contracting project that we could do software contracting, build this uh, website or something for this real estate guy. Um, and I was in West Lafayette at the time and the guy had reached out and we had these great conversations. And then I got, I had school, I had this company, we had this big project, we had all these things happening. And I just dropped the ball on reaching out to him for like two weeks. And then I responded back to him, hey, you know, we'd like to continue with all this stuff. And his response, I'll never forget, was, oh, no, we found another solution. We're good. You know, thanks. You know, thanks for your time. And I'm just there. Like, I remember at the time being frustrated with myself and just being so mad because that was a $20,000 deal. That was and all of that would have been on me. Most of that would have gone to pay me and my business partner a little bit of money. And so that was money on the table that I just completely screwed up because I dropped the ball on responding to him. And now I live by, you know, yeah, time yeah. kills deals. And I, you know, yeah. I still remember that. And I've finally, I think for, I might've forgiven myself by now, but at this point I, I still bothers me that I screwed that up. And I always, whenever I know I'm kind of being slow to respond or I haven't jumped onto something like I should, I always remind myself of that moment. And I think it would have been nice to, realize I'm going to screw a lot of things up and it's not about the things you screw up. You got to, if you learn from those and do better moving forward. Yeah. That's another yeah, that is a big thing. Yeah. Mistakes because a lot of times it's your first business. You have no idea what you're, you think you know what you're doing, but you don't. And the only way you do learn is by making mistakes and like, okay, let's not do that again. And so if another situation comes up, you at least can scratch off one option off the table and try the other however many there are. Try not to beat yourself up about losing that $20,000, David. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm okay now, but you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's still painful. And, and actually it wasn't the money as much as losing the client. I mean, I look at that and it's so easy to sit there and say, you know, here, this guy that was really impressed with, he saw us in the paper, loved everything we were doing, wanted us to help do app development for him. He was very likely that type of an individual that may have been a possible investor in something we were doing. It was such a great connection to make. And I just threw that down the toilet because I wanted to like 
I wanted to pass my classes and graduate from college. I mean, what what, what was I doing? <laughs> oh, what were you thinking? <laughs> I know. Ah, crazy college. Huh? Uh, school, get paid. <laughs> Startups greater than college degree. Just kidding, guys. You know, the reality is, even as I'm joking about it, I'm still, um, I'm still somewhat making excuses for it. Yeah, I had a lot going on, but there was no excuse to drop the ball like that. Like, it should have been something that I, you know, just stayed on. But at the end of the day, I think I really needed that moment and it had to be extremely painful for me to learn from that and really take that seriously. And that doesn't mean I've always been perfect about it from that point on, but I haven't screwed up a $20,000 deal in a very long time, which is good. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I've had the problem of kind of being too hard on myself whenever I make mistakes. I understand, like to me, logically, yeah, people are going to make mistakes and it just it's bound to happen. But I feel like you know, as a co-founder of this company and stuff, I feel like there's a lot, like I have to make sure that I don't make mistakes and stuff because I'm thinking of how these mistakes would affect a lot of people that are involved in the company. You know, it's not just my mistake. It ends up becoming the company's mistake sometimes, but I, I guess I'm slowly starting to learn and I've tried to be better about it. It took me a long time to come to I guess, peace with myself where, you know, I'm going to make mistakes and I need to be okay with it. And I just can't make the same ones over and over again. Right. It's going to, it's bound to happen. You just want to make sure you've learned from it and you don't make those same ones. And I think it makes other people that you're working with feel better to, you know, you show them by not making the same mistakes over and over that you've learned from it, I guess. Yeah. But on the flip side too, you can't be too risk averse because then your company won't grow because you're right, yeah. making a mistake and not doing something that you should. Yeah. Exactly. And you don't want to set a culture that it's not okay for people to make a mistake, right? Like if, if I make a mistake yeah. and I hide it or I don't admit it, other people are going to do the exact same. And you need the mistakes to happen early, fast and be corrected while they still can be. And it'd be a learning experience. Uh, and that culture, I think is so important. Yeah, and I think it's also yeah important to show people that they should also kind of own up to their mistakes. I think that's important too, because like sometimes I feel like people will make a mistake and they're afraid to speak up, and then they'll just you know they'll try to blame it on something else or blame someone else or whatever. But you know, being able to just be like, hey, I made this mistake. Sorry, I I tried to figure out what I did wrong, and it won't happen again. I mean, that's. I think that's a pretty important part. And I, I try to do that. You know, when I do make a mistake, I'm always honest about it. Like, yeah, that's probably my fault. Or even if someone else made a mistake, I was, I was like, oh, it's probably my fault because I didn't explain instructions or directions clearly enough. And you probably just didn't have the right guidance. And that this is why you made the mistake. And I think it's important as a leader or, you know, whatever it, to kind of own up to that too mm -hmm. and set a good example. I no, I totally agree. I, I think another thing that I've learned of, and I wish I would have known sooner is that you can't just chase every single idea, like being an entrepreneur. And if you're kind of on that visionary side at all, and you always have ideas, app ideas, like, you know, I have a journal, I have a journal, I have like a little notebook basically that is just ideas. I've tried putting it, you know, on paper, I've tried putting it on my phone, no matter what I do, I just fill it up full of stuff. And then I tend to not always go back and look at it. But because I have all those ideas, there's always this, you know, dawning feeling of pulling me off to something else. And I think the, Something I've actually, I think I've done a better job in the last couple of years is kind of learning how to focus. And I wish I would have been better about that a lot sooner. I think I get into something, I build and I get really excited about it. 
And as long as it's continuing to do well, I'm excited, devoted, and it's going well. When, it, when we hit some walls or barriers I can't get through or round over, and that's the time when all these other ideas start creeping in and it starts kind of pulling me away a little bit. And it really has taken years to learn to kind of come up with my own process on how do I decide what do I spend my time on? What do I not? What do I, what don't I? And then really going back to the word focus and really thinking where, where is, is my time best spent? And I, I wish I would have learned that 10 years ago it would have made everything a lot better. Or maybe I would have gotten more done, but fortunately everything's turned out. Okay. At the same time though, whatever you're working on, learn to focus as much as you possibly can on whatever you're really committed to while still keeping a little bit of freedom for yourself to innovate and validate all your ideas, but try to keep them all within that same topic is would be my biggest advice I'd give to myself. I like having the creativity and the freedom to work on other things because I feel like, you know, every idea that I have that I don't do a little bit on ends up becoming a missed opportunity or could be a missed opportunity. And so I also have like, you know, maybe a list of these, all these different ideas that you know, I come up with as I'm working on things and I probably won't act on a lot of them, but like the ones that just, you know, I can't stop my brain from thinking and the ones that like slowly start getting more and more developed in my head, I'll start to do like, you know, research here and there to see if like, is this something worth pursuing? And I, you know, flow tech is always going to be my main priority and my main focus. And like, that's there, but I can't stop my brain from thinking about other things and sometimes when I do run into a wall or if I get really tired of working on something in order to stay productive, I might look at one of these other things and see, you know, where I can make progress. And what I've done in the past is just like ask people, you know, are, are you interested in this project? Or I'll try to, you know, join forces with someone who might have an interest here. And I would let them kind of take the lead or, you know, work on this project a little bit. And so I know that this is being done or there's progress being made here while I keep focused on Flometech, you know what I mean? So this is kind of how I balance out my ideas. It's like I won't be, I won't focus on that idea as much, but I'll just get it started a little bit and get some help to see if this can actually become something, you know? Oh, I agree. I, I guess I, I think the definition of focus I'm kind of talking about is that you have your main task of what you're focused on and you're doing that like whether it's Brufon or FlowMedTech or Zenhammer, like you have your main thing. And when I say you need to keep the freedom to innovate and validate, kind of come up with the ideas, you still have to have it. But I think especially in the software world, and especially if you're a software developer, you kind of almost have enough skills to build almost any app or website that you can. And so the question has to be, what, what do you spend your time on? Because if we could always build, and it's very notoriously you know, happens in the software development world where software developers have a million projects they've started but never finished. And I, I actually argue that it's not necessarily bad to explore, validate, come up with things, see if there's you know something that has legs. But for you to build an entire software scalable platform, the vast majority of your time needs to be you know geared towards something. There's nothing wrong with queuing up another thing or coming up with something else and kind of playing around with it. I think we all do that. Where I tend to fall is that I would actually start building something. I would actually start writing the code to something else before I ever validated it or just be like, oh, this would be such a cool tool to have, or I should do this. It's totally unrelated. And I, if I do, if I go that path, I get sucked into that and I can't get out of it. I, I feel like I have to like work on that and try to finish that project too. 
and there were times where I'd have like five or six things going on. I remember one time I had, I had four different individual, like animators, 3D modelers, um, software developers, all working on four different projects and I was paying all of them and they were all lost because they weren't sure. Cause again, it's my vision I'm trying to impart on them, but I'm not spending enough time to spec it out and help them do it. So they're all doing projects. I'm paying all of them to do things. And that's outside of everything we're doing on a normal basis. And I'm thinking like, none of those were ever going to work, not unless somehow they came up with the similar mindset and ran with it. And I'm like, why was I doing all that? I mean, I didn't care about the waste of money. It was, it was the lack of focus that prevented me from doing the other things that were working really well. Kind of being lost as an entrepreneur is a very common thing you'll feel. And I'm sure we've all been there when you want to do something else. And this is actually pretty brew fun that I'm actually thinking of. I just, I knew I wanted to do a product-based company and I never really took the time to focus on anything for a very long time until brew fun came along. And I approached that one differently. And it was like, all of a sudden the light bulb went off and it was like, this is the problem. This is how you do it. Yeah. I agree with that because it's not just software companies. I've seen it happen in brick and mortar companies too, where a person will have a business that's doing reasonably well, and then they'll get sidetracked and jump into another business that on its own could do really well them running the two businesses causes both to fail and so it's like you have to pick one and that's the one you're going to drive through till your exit if you want if you know you're not going to stay with it or if you are figure out let's say zen hammer i still have a vision for it five years from now it's doing well but at the same time i go to my notebook and i'm like huh nobody's built this jet engine i've been working on for the last 15 years let me jump into that. So then figure out a way, how do you step back? Like for instance, do you go the Richard Branson model where he creates a business, gets it up and running to a safe spot where it's no longer in survival mode, hires a person to take it over, steps back and then rinses and repeats. But the thing is that he focuses on that business to get it out of survival mode first, because if not, that business is gonna fail and then he's stuck with another dead business. Yeah. And when I, when I talk about this stuff a lot, people bring up Elon Musk a lot too. And I, I get why, but he's also the part of the PayPal mafia. He has, you know, he had millions of dollars before he even got started. He raised a bunch of money. And while he's doing a great job running these basically three different businesses, it, it's, it, that is a unique outlier. And be, he can do that because of the success and resources that he's brought to those companies. Like his role is not, I would actually almost argue he's not a startup founder. He's a CEO that has new ideas and he's rolling these new massive, like industry changing, you know, things out, but he's coming in, setting a culture and building up out, out this stuff with massive resources. I mean, if he just posts that he's going to consider buying Dogecoin and there, you know, goes up 300%. If he goes out and says he wants to raise investment for something, he could say, I've got the greatest new toilet in the world and he'd raise a billion dollars and it'd be a unicorn in like 10 minutes. And yeah. he brings that power to everything he does. Same with Richard Branson. Like he started Virgin um, uh, Airlines because it was, I don't know if you guys have heard the story at all, but he started it when he got bumped from a flight and he ended up chartering a jet and put all the people that got bumped on the jet with them to get there still in time. And then while he was there, he's like somebody, I think he or somebody said, man, we should create our own, you know, I think he even named it as a joke as like the, you know, Virgin Airlines welcomed and welcomed everybody and joked around on the whole flight and said, yeah, maybe we should start it. And then he did his whole screw it, let's do it and did it. But like 
it's very different if I say, hey, I want to start an airline. I got bumped off a plane. I think I would just start my own plane. You, know, my you don't own have a billion industry. dollars of cash laying around. Yeah, and it doesn't mean I can't do it. I might be able to go out and raise money and you know approach it some way. But the way I'm going to do it versus the way the people with those level of resources are going to do it is very, very different. And so when you're an early stage founder, focus is a very big key. And it, it's one of those things that I think that you really got to take is that has to be your number one priority is to try to focus, knowing that you may not be able to focus 100%. But instead of diving into actually building something, I think doing what Arnab said is probably better where you actually spend a lot more of your time validating, seeing if it has legs, getting other people involved, and just, you know, kind of seeing where that is. But it also may just be the difference of where you have a medical device company, which I could be 100% wrong here, but I don't think you have lots of time by any means, but you kind of have a product that's going down a very set path versus kind of the software business. We might completely change what our software does in any given week. And we're able to do that without any problems or regulations or anything. And so like, like a, you almost have to be a little more attentive to your product in the software as a service business, I think maybe and from my perspective. I guess you're saying, cause the direction could slip so easily. Like you could be developing code yeah. th this way or something. And, planning on having these features, but then you can just get so, I don't know, overnight or in a couple of days or whatever, you could just scrap that and go with another set of features. Yeah. Right? You can be accounting like software so. and next thing you know, you're doing like book inventory software because that's where the market took you. And there was a bit, there, there was, you hit a wall and you need to make a pivot or something like your, your product itself can change just as fast as the entire business and you're, there's nothing holding you back. And so if you're thinking of all these ideas, you're building all these products. I think you, if you lose focus, you may miss out on huge opportunities or you may miss out on an opportunity to pivot or make a change in the market. And a lot of times I think you need to be innovating within the same industry of what you're doing. And instead of just focusing on, you know, the next greatest thing, for, for example, when we, when we started doing our gifting system, we knew that was big. We always had this idea that it was never going to be enough to pay, but if we weren't innovating and thinking, where are the other needs for like loyalty and for, the digital menus, we, we never would have had a company. We always just had like an expensive hobby on the side. And so, but we were always in, trying to innovate within that same industry and coming up with new products and stuff on that. So to me, that's focus. That's innovation, but that's still focus. Yeah, it's kind of crazy for me. I just feel like it's a little bit different because like I want to be able to be an entrepreneur in so many different industries. You know, like I, I love medical devices and of course that's probably what yeah, I'm going to be the best at. But like, I want to be out there in education. I want to be out there and maybe even films and movies and, you know, that industry or fashion, you know? And so like, I just, I like to do like whatever I'm passionate in. I, I like to think about, I don't actively do this. Like I'm not going out and like actively being like, how can I solve some problem that's out there in fashion industry or something like that? It's just like, man, I think it'd be really cool if I could do this. And then I kind of leave it there. And it's like, you know, maybe sometime there'll be the right place, the right time, the right people. And it's like, okay, maybe this is the time I need to make this happen, you know, uh, or like I'll have an idea for, you know, like a film or a short film or something like this. And I'll just like jot things down. And then it may take you two or three years before there's even a paragraph, but it's just like, as it comes to me, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just not focused person <laughs> that's uh, different I, I don't think that's what you're saying is bad i think we all have those same wants and desires to do I, I think the the deciding factor is that what you actually do spend most of your time on is what matters like i don't yeah. think it's bad to have ideas or to do other things like i think it's 
as long as you're not getting so distracted that you're not actually accomplishing the goals you have set right. you know, and the, the company puddings. I mean, I mean it, the path you're going down is five years, if not longer, right? Like it's for most startups, it's five years or longer. Medical device is probably a lot longer, but if you're, if you're spending five, if it's going to take you five years to really try to achieve success in like a software startup and you, you distract yourself for six months every year, you know, you just doubled. Yeah, that's not you good. Know, yeah. There, right. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Right. And it is interesting. It, every time I meet a startup that hits a wall or, you know, their company's ending or something's happening, it's not like they all just, I would argue that a lot of startups don't go down with the ship. <laughs> they literally start taking wood off of the boat and start building their next ship. And they sometimes mm. you do that when there's just a few holes in it, but you feel like it's sinking. Right. And I think that's the risk is that as you're planning out these things, you got to be very, very careful of when, when you're out of focus and when you're focused. And that also brings up something else too, time. What a lot of people don't realize is how much time, expect to take more time and more money than you think you will have. So like if you came into it thinking, oh, I'm going to have this up and running in two years, probably not. It's probably going to take longer. Uh, <laughs> Show me the startup that says something's going to take two years and I will I will be amazed because all of them are like, you know, I'll get my first, well, maybe the medical device again too. There's other, there are industries, but most of the ones I meet are like, yeah, you know, give me two or three months and I'll, I'll have this massive product and I'll, I'll release my platform. That's my favorite is, yeah, I'm going to build out this platform and we'll, we'll be good in like six months and I can't wait to release it. And I'm like, you're going to build a platform out in six months. Uh, no, you're not. Nope. <laughs> you're going to release some features in six months, but I don't know about your whole platform. <laughs> that always cracks me yeah. up with new entrepreneurs. In the very beginning, of course, we had to learn about the pathway and it's not, you know, there's no, no way we were going to get any like <laughs> medical device approval in one or two years. But, you know, it says typically like I'd, I'd argue five that's to seven years thing. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so too. And, you know, our advisors would tell us the same things, even very early on, that it's going to take two or three times more money. It's going to take this much longer, always plan ahead. And it still takes more money and it still takes even longer. <laughs> so even when we were prepared, I guess we thought you know, it was going to take this much money or this m amount of time. It still will take longer. Like, I, I don't know, even if we tell you this advice, even if you plan for two to three times more money, <laughs> two to three times longer, it's going to take even longer than that. <laughs> There's something beautiful about that too, where we can give all the best advice and, and we're not always right. I'm not, I'm not going to be the first person to act like I know everything about startups. That's so not true. It's just interesting. And it's, I think it's kind of beautiful that startups can see all of the, they can hear all the best advice. They can see all the statistics and numbers and just know, you know, inherently this is not going to work or this is going to be harder. It's going to take longer. And they can just immediately ignore all of that and say, I'm going to be the one that does. And that's something kind of special. You don't see an accountant say that. Like they would never be like, oh, this is the exact path and everything I, you know, that could work for me. I'm going to follow that path. Exactly. An entrepreneur goes, well, there's too many steps here. Why don't I just see if I can get to the end? You know, and it's, uh, that's something what's, I think that's, what's beautiful about the whole process. Cause no matter what we think you might be able to be that person, probably not. And you should plan for not being that person. But it is amazing that people do create and they go against all odds and achieve success. And I think that's what I think yeah. we're all really trying to do. Yeah, I think we're always trying to get it right. You know, it's like, okay, just because it's people telling me it's going to take two or three times longer or that much more money doesn't mean I still need, I can't, I shouldn't try to get it right the first time, right? Like, I mean, like, I shouldn't try to get it done half the time. Like, I'm always achieving to 
meet those deadlines and that whatever. So I think there's just that whatever it is, that motivation in us as an entrepreneur to get it done. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's such an interesting field. And I think we've thrown a lot of advice out there. But I, at the end of the day, I think the last thing that I wish people would have said to me too, is that you have to do it your own way. Even hearing the advice, you have to be reasonable. You can't be, re, you can't be truly unrealistic. There is the, you know, the deep down, you have to know some of the realities of this. But at the same time, just because something's worked with one other person, doesn't mean it'll work for you the same way. And so I think you actually got to be very cautious of the entrepreneurship yeah. advice that you hear. You know, there was a company in Raleigh when I was living there, they had, had this whole platform that basically failed, but it had this one product and it was like this photo sharing thing. And they, that was a free product, went out there and it just started taking off. They got rid of all the other, all their other parts of the platform, doubled down on this one kind of freemium model of, it was like photo sharing stuff. I don't remember exactly. And the founder like went out, bought a, cra bought a crazy car and he walked around and told everybody all the time that, oh, you just got to go freemium. If you, if you don't do freemium, then it's, it's basically that was the only advice because that worked for him. It didn't matter what you were doing. You had to actually do that. I mean, he would be telling you on app that, man, you, you really just need to go free. Just make the device free and then people will probably pay you later. You'll, you'll figure it out at the back end. And I was just like, man, this is terrible advice. But people would eat it up because he just raised you know, like I'm, I want to say it was like 300,000 yeah. and was going for 3 million. And it was like, he was the poster child of like, oh, look at our startup for you know part of Raleigh's entrepreneurship system. And I always look back at that and just go, that guy literally had no clue what he was talking about to almost everybody he talked to, yet he had no problem telling everyone else that he should do it and people listened. And that's not something you should do. You should always take the advice, anything we say, anything anyone says, digest it and try to see, is that fit for you? And then make your own decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think every startup, I mean, every startup is different. What you're working on is probably going to be innovative. That means people haven't been doing it before. So that's already different. The people that are a part of your team, everyone, like everyone says, every person is unique. And that combination of a team that you have makes your company different. You know, it's just, you really got to figure out what all works for you. And I think that's that's a big lesson that we also learned is that, you know, we always used to listen to what everybody told us. And, um, you know, some of it was clearly not great advice and we would, you know, not really take it. But we would try to explain to people, you know, why we didn't feel like we needed to go the direction they told us. But, you know, for the most part, we took all this advice and then we realized later on that some of these people, you know, they haven't done what we are doing. They haven't taken a class three medical device from nothing to approval. And they haven't played a part in every single aspect of the company. And, you know, they might've only done one thing and they're advising us based on their experience and what role they played in the company. But just because they're advising you that way, you as a founder and someone who's running the whole company, you need to figure out how that advice plays in with the whole company is it going to be good based on all the other things you have going on and so there's a lot you need to just you got to really think about what people are telling you and what perspective they're coming from when they give you this advice yeah i, I yeah. think that's so well said i actually am always very cautious and i'm gonna say this probably gonna tick off you know people if they're listening to us is that i would be very cautious if a consulting company 
social media marketing agency, software development agency, which I have been one many for many times. These kind of like companies, I, I actually don't consider any of them startups. I think it's a very linear model. It's you go out, you get sales, and it's a very like really there's just there's always a need for those types of businesses. That's why they're a dime a dozen. And if you do a good job, you always get paid. The risk to me is very low. I mean, again, they still fail. You still have trouble, but if you can get enough work, you will get paid and you will be successful and you can get grow and scale. And these are great businesses to have. But from a startup point of view, they do not have any clue what it's really like building out a product, building out a platform, building out, you know, handling customer service, doing all these other things. Because at the end of the day, if they need to grow or scale, they just do more sales, they get more clients. And then they grow. Whereas in a startup, you may be doing customer service, doing sales, doing all these things, and you're you may have a slower growth, and you still have to meet make it until you eventually your product you know starts to achieve scale and grow. But yet those companies love to always tell people as if they were the greatest startup founders ever what they should be doing, and they're to me the least. I mean, they have expertise. Social media person is telling them they were good, they're a good growing company. People hire them a lot. They probably know what you should be doing on social media but they start telling you what you should be doing with your product. They're the worst at giving terrible advice. And it's almost always people that have never really done a product or a platform that love to be those people that tell it. So you should always be very, very wary of those individuals. There's outliers. There's people that are still good, but if you haven't done it, you should be very, if they haven't done it, you should be very cautious of what people tell you. And if you haven't done it, you should be very cautious on what you're really telling others. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess my last thing I would say also is besides not building a marketplace, pay really if you want to find advice from people, try to find people who've done who've built a startup, who've done the startup route and find the experts in your field if you're in medical device or in construction or in brewing and fig- and go to those people and do your research is basically what we're saying in short. I think that would cap off everything that we were trying to say with with regards of advice. It's like not all advice is created equal. Do your research on the advice you hear. So you would in turn become, you have to become the expert in your field. I guess that's what it boils down to. We look forward to you joining us next time on Startup Pivot Scale. We'd also love to hear from you. Please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For episode transcriptions, past episodes, or to learn more about this podcast, connect with us at startuppivotscale.com or at startuppivotscale on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Founders Forge, a 501c3 nonprofit that is dedicated to the underdog entrepreneurs of the Appalachian Highlands and helping them on their startup journeys. We do this by holding high-impact events, building a vibrant startup community, and through one-on-one coaching for startups. Learn more at foundersforge.com.